Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that contemplates issues related to cars and transport. I'm David Brown. And in this program, we take a look at the latest news stories, including should the Hyperloop be for fast travel between cities or within suburbia? We take a tour of station wagon design with Holden's Director of Design, Richard Falazzo. And Alan and I talk about cars that were on show at the recent New York Motor Show. And in our panel discussion with Brian Smith and Errol Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including a Chinese car called Trump Chi, which is eyeing the US market, but considering changing its name. Have a question or a comment, send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. You can listen to longer segments of each of the features by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. Now, to begin the program, let's have the news. In the opening sequence to the television cartoon Futurama, we see a city in the year 3000 where some of the people are transported about in tubes. This may not be far from the truth, with one exception. Hyperloop technology has always had the vision of transporting people, or perhaps freight, long distances at very fast speeds. But urban design professor Alan Berger has been thinking about where and how to design the routes so it benefits the most people. He thinks there might be a role for Hyperloop technology, not for the transport task of taking people to the city centre, but what he calls a concentric city model. He says that most people move from one peripheral area to another, instead of travelling into the city's CBD. In that sense, the system would work for people living in suburban areas, which he says generally makes up some 70% of the urban population. A Spanish company has proposed a high-speed train for the Sydney to Canberra run. But high-speed is a relative term. The latest proposal on the table is not for a very fast train with speeds of 300 kilometres an hour or more on a special track. Rather, it is for a fast tilt train on the existing alignment with perhaps some upgrades. The current proponent, Spanish company Talgo, said it would cost less than $100 million. The experts say this is optimistic, to say the least. There is talk of doing the trip in two hours, which would mean averaging over 145 kilometres an hour without stops, including not slowing down for the many level crossings. A two-hour travel time would need active tilting trains, which was estimated some time ago to cost $1.5 billion in 1997 dollars. Later this year, the Victorian government will open the $18 million, 1.7-kilometre missing link for the cycling network between the Darabin Creek and Yarra Trails. But Alan Davies, who writes as the urbanist for Crikey, feels that the link is more of a freeway with limited access. You get on at one end and you get off at the other. Nothing in between. He says that this means there is no direct access to the new Darabin Yarra link for the residents who live closest to it. But if a chain is as strong as its weakest link, then the bigger problem is that the route requires pedestrians and cyclists to use the four-lane bridge at Durban Creek. Davis says the bridge is not suitable for casual adult cyclists, much less children. Traffic moves fast here because it's open and because the approaches in both directions are descents. There are no emergency lanes or parking lanes. 
There is a fast advancing technology of communicating between cars and infrastructure, such as traffic lights, so as to smooth the flow of traffic and reduce the need for hard acceleration and braking. In Utrecht in Amsterdam, they have just implemented a system called Flow, which places a blue kiosk abutting a bike path and using sensors. It determines cyclist speeds from hundreds of feet out and displays several kinds of symbolic advice so the bike riders can adjust their speed and not have to come to a complete stop at the lights. But despite the advanced technology, the messages are sent in a simple form. If the cyclist has to speed up to catch the light, they see the symbol of a hare, and if they have to slow down, understandably, they see a tortoise. Police officers across Europe conducted their latest 24-hour speed marathon for one day in April as part of the European Traffic Police Network speed enforcement operation. The operation involved over 10,000 police officers, and 16 countries provided results from over 8,000 speed control sites. Adverse weather forced the cancellation of speed enforcement measures in Hungary and restricted enforcement activity in Croatia. However, just over 1 million vehicles were checked during the initiative and over 19,000 traffic offences were dealt with. In the Netherlands, a stolen Audi A6 was seized and two occupants arrested after it was detected travelling at 167 kilometres per hour on a stretch of road where the limit is just 80 kilometres per hour. And this has been motoring and transport news from Overdrive. You can hear interviews, road tests and humour by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Station wagons have been through a considerable number of image changes. It took on a pucker style when it was given the name Shooting Brake in association with aristocrats driving around the estate blasting away at defenceless animals. The closest it ever got to the youth market was in the early 50s and 60s when it was the surfer's mobile home. But it has a number of incarnations that give it a dowdy image. For example, the family holiday vehicle, Chevy Chase in the Vacation series, which is part of a seven-film National Lapoon's string of movies. The Griswold family is not something you wish to be associated with. Then there's the parents' school-run vehicle. And the travelling salesperson's office on wheels. With such images, it's not surprising they have ebbed and flowed with sales numbers, some falling away. The Camry station wagon is gone, but not lamented, as is the large slab-sided Ford Falcon, which went well before the demise of the sedan. It provided huge room, but was surpassed by the more trendier SUVs. Even the Hyundai i30 wagon dropped off the market, although it may come back. Our roving correspondent, Matthew Brown, who is in his 30s, needed a new car but didn't think he was quite old enough for a station wagon. More recently there's been a bit of a revival with the marketing expression sports wagon which infers that you're an adventurer rather than a parent caught up in raising children. Now Holden is taking the next step in the evolution. The new model will be called a Tura. How does it all fit in? Holden's director of design is Richard Falazzo whom we've spoken to in the past, a good friend of the program. He joins us on the line now. Richard Thanks very much for your time. Hello, David. You were part of, of course, designing the Commodore Sports Wagon. What was your brief there? Yeah, oh, indeed I was, and it's very dear to my heart. Um, this was a 2008 release, and we had previously 
designed the VE range of vehicles. So we were talking about the sedan, the utility, and the um, the Caprice, the long wheelbase. And around that same time, the SUVs were really burgeoning, weren't they, oh, all over the world. We were looking at them, and, and indeed, we were, since then, have filled our fleet with GM SUVs. But we felt that there was a sport wagon lurking within that fabulous VE architecture. Wagons could become a, a, a vehicle of desire, not derision. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely expression. In fact, that's the point, isn't it? You didn't want the real long wheelbase, which might have made the car look a bit hearse-like. Gee, I had a look back at the Aston Martin Lagonda. I don't know if you ever remember that, the big chisel nose front. They put a station wagon out that, that made a hearse look like a hatchback. It was it was horrible. This is why wagons had become out of favour uh, in recent times. They were very long and sort of frumpy middle-aged family guy vehicles. Yes. We wanted to make it sexy. And look, it was very successful for us. Like one in three of our Commodores was, was a sport wagon. I raced a little Alfa Romeo sports wagon and it had that sort of tailing off slopey back roof line. Yes, I looked at that, that Alfa as well. And it all comes down to the roof line. You just mentioned that, David, and you're quite right. The roof line, the profile, the silhouette of the vehicle can still look very sporty, sleek and tapering at the back. So, you know, it suggests an element of speed. The new Commodore, you're moving into a Tourer. Is the the name important? Well, indeed, there will be um, a sport wagon version, which will be the conventional low ride height. Right. So that will complement the, the new Commodore hatch as it will be in the first quarter of 2018 when a new generation Commodore arrives. Mm. So there'll be the, the hatch version, which is a fabulous body style in itself. There will be a sport wagon. Once again, uh, going off the success of the current one, we wanted to p- pursue that further. But the Tourer will be another model in the range. Ah. So it, it will have a similar body style to the, to the sport wagon, but it will be raised a further 20 millimeters, uh, be V6 all-wheel drive standard, and it'll have the really wheel arch mouldings and that more adventurous look about it. All right, Richard, I love your work and I appreciate your time. I look forward to the future as well. Thank you very much for your time. Always a pleasure to talk to you, David. Cheers. And that's Richard Falazzo, who's Holden's Director of Design. And uh, there we were talking about the station wagon, sports wagon, tourer, call it what you like. It's cover a, a more modern trend than perhaps some have might have seen it in the not-so-distant future. And a longer interview can be heard on our website at drivenmedia.com.au. You're listening to Overdrive. New York, New York. Well, they've just had their motor show. Let's reflect on what was on show at this particular event. And certainly to help me with that is Alan Zervis, a motoring journalist who joins me on the line now. Alan, uh, New York, what would you expect from a motor show there? You would think it'd be sort of upmarket and trendy, but expensive? As I do with any any um, motor show, there's lots and lots of cars that uh, people can't afford, and there's a lot of concepts on show, and there's a lot of money on show. And it costs the manufacturers an awful lot of money to participate. But, of course, if you make the headlines, in Australia, 15 years ago, it was the Monaro or something, you've made the headlines. If there was something that is distinctly new, you can really boom. But it's pretty hard to do that these days, I think. It's like a fashion show, David. They, uh, you know, when people bring something out onto the catwalk, so to speak, it's not necessarily going to be something that's uh, ever going to be produced. There was a Monaro in the early days at a motor show a few years before the one that was produced uh, actually happened. 
And it was as a result of that motor show that uh, Holden decided to bring that um, what was a two-door Commodore into into life. Let's have a look at a few of the cars. The Bugatti Chiron. It's um, perhaps one of the most useless cars in the world in the sense that it'll do, what, 450 kilometres an hour. No one's ever going to use that, surely. Well, as I always say in my reviews, you get to 110 in Australia and you've got to take your foot off the accelerator. And uh, very few people that spend uh, half a million or a million dollars on a car are actually ever going to drive it, let alone take it to a track. Well, that's it, isn't it? Uh, It's like keeping cars in a garage. You do it because you love what it represents. But, you know, having a car that will do this, which will run flat out for 18 minutes before it runs out of fuel, it takes you $70,000 to replace the tyres. It's got four turbochargers and 16 cylinders. But it's like having a satin rocket in your backyard. It could start getting you to go to the moon, but you'll never use it. No, and honestly, why would you want to? But I think the thing about if there was a person to buy that car, you can rest assured that there's going to be another dozen or so cars in uh, each of uh, 10 garages around the world. So it's not really going to worry them all that much. I never thought it was a pretty car, although the nose, well, the nose still has that horseshoe grille, which I think is ugly, but the lights on the side, now four little lights in a row. It's got almost a, a look of the old Alpha 159 about it which I thought was a good-looking car. It helps the Bugatti, but it doesn't make it. Well, the horseshoe, that uh, horseshoe grill, obviously, is off a very, very old, you know, the Bugattis have been doing that since they've been Bugattis. But the headlights, they look like they're those, uh, those, well, they're prismatic or whatever they are, headlights that switch on and off um, sequentially uh, for high beam. These cars need huge amounts of air to get into them, into the engines in the back. This has now a curve on the side that looks like half a McDonald's M turned it on its side, so it has a very distinctive look to it. I, I guess that's important, that it's got to look good. It does. Uh, and look, I, I think there are parts of this car that do look good, but in generally, to me, it, it uh, in general, it looks like a bullfrog, and I've always thought Bugattis look like a bullfrog from the front, so... Rather like Bentleys, I just don't like them and never will. Now, looking good was the first Ford GT40. You know why it was called 40? Of course, it was 40 inches tall. Now they've come out uh, a little while ago with a Ford GT, and now they've got an upmarket version. Does it look much different? I don't think it does. I'm sure if I saw them side by side, uh, you know, I'd I'd have a, a different view. I've never sat in one of these, let alone driven one, but I have seen people trying to get into them and it looks like they're trying to origami themselves into a uh, an envelope. The picture here, which is at a sort of a wheel level, shows the car as having a very big solid body and the roof line is cut down very, very low. It's almost like one of those American cut-down jobs, which is an exaggeration as if to make a point. I would think you, as what, a six-foot-tall guy trying to get into it, yep. would not be easy. Well, as you know, David, I don't even fit into an MX-5. Um, you know, there's bits of me sticks out the top, you know, so thank goodness that they have soft roofs. That one doesn't. I rather fancy my uh, Buffon coiffeur would be resting on the ceiling. 470 kilowatts 
It weighs, what, about 1,200 kilograms. They say it's got the best power-to-weight ratio uh, in the world. I don't know if that's right. But talking about getting hard to get into, the Connie Seg Agera RS. Now, this, in order to be able to get into, I think, better, it has some rather unusual doors to it. Yeah, it, it, again, this you know, speaking of origami, this thing looks like it's a uh, half-transformed transformer. What an amazing-looking yes. thing. Yes. I can't work out from the picture how you even get into it because it looks like half of it pivots backwards and like the whole roof section pivots backwards and the doors sort of pivot forwards. Alan, it's been wonderful to talk to you. I thank you greatly for your time. I think next time, David, you and I should get a first-class ticket and go over ourselves. I think we'd better look at them more personally. Photos just aren't doing enough for it. I think you're quite right. We need the detail. <laughs> and that was Alan Zervis, a motoring journalist, and we were talking about cars on display at the latest New York Motor Show. You're listening to Overdrive. Well, we approach the end of the program. Let's have a chat about the unusual in the world of motoring and transport. On the line is Brian Smith. Gay Brian. G'day, David. And Errol Smith. Gay Errol. G'day, David. Now, Chinese automaker GAC Motor, it's the sixth largest car maker in China. Its flagship brand is actually an interesting name. They wanted it to be uh, sound a bit Chinese, uh, to resemble the word legendary and meaning passing of good fortune. Unfortunately, that sort of translates as Trump Chi. Now, they are thinking of going into the American market, but suddenly they realise the uh, motor show that happened in January brought about a certain amount of derision. Gentlemen, I note that having the name of the president on the car in this case is immediately assumed to be a bad thing. That's amazing, isn't it? Oscar Wilde said the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. (laughs) So I would have thought that, uh, you know, having having at least a bit of buzz around the the product would be um would be beneficial they they'd like this i certainly think it would get you attention however it would also get you attention after the sale as well you can imagine oh, yes. people doing things both positive and negative to the badge on the back of the car. <laughs> yes, yes, Trumpchi, yes. Uh, apparently they started with the brand Clintone, but uh, <laughs> Trumpchi turned out to be the surprise winner. Chi <laughs> <laughs> is an interesting word. It's the 22nd letter of the Greek alphabet. Uh, and, of course, in astronomy, it means the 22nd star in the constellation, not something that I think Trump would be particularly like to, although perhaps that's where the Republican Party would put him in the scheme <laughs> of things. There's always a risk in trying to sort of anglify um, Asian names, isn't there? Yeah. That, uh, you know, you could have some unintended consequences. You would have thought, though, that a bit of research would have um, highlighted this issue, I think. Um, you know, a bit of yeah, research. Yeah, maybe into... looking at the headline of um, <laughs> any American news outlet of any kind. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely clear he's not held in high regard. He is a bit Johnny-come-lately, isn't he? I mean, he's been around and added all his uh, typical comments for a long time, yet he hasn't really hit the major headlines. And the other thing is that all your executives might have said, well, of course, he won't get elected. Yes, yeah, that's right. The chances are very slim, weren't they? But if he's a loser, why would you still want that name on your car? He could have been, could have been the one that almost made it. <laughs> The little engine that tried. 
Chi is an example of the life force, isn't it? So that was very positive. But unfortunately, I believe it's the forces that circulate in your body according to certain Taoism and other Chinese thought, but it's both negative and positive forms. The other Mm. thing is Chi is also an abbreviation for the city of Chicago. K West wrote a song called Jesus Walks which worries me, the whole link of that. But I walk through the Valley of Chi, where death is, top floor, the view alone will leave you breathless. So, I mean, the other alternative, then, they could be associated with K-West. Oh, Kanye. Kanye Kanye, West. Kanye. Gee, the, there's the generation yes. gap, listeners. Yes. You've seen it there. A gulf. <laughs> yes, David. Uh, the, the the fine print in the story uh, though is that the cars don't uh, the cars that they make don't yet meet US regulations, so uh, the name is kind of irrelevant. Maybe maybe it's an attempt to get in. <laughs> maybe it's an attempt to there. get to get around the regulations. It's like a tribute. They thought Trump might have signed off on, you know, getting their car into into the country. Mm, but they'd, of course they'd have to get it over that wall that Mexico is going to build. <laughs> That's right. How would you train your showroom staff to sell the Trump's chi? Well, of course, they would say it's the best car. It has the most power of any car by far. It has the best fuel economy. It's the cheapest. No other car is cheapest. It has the brightest colours. It's the freshest smelling, better than any garden you've been in. Push the line. Much better fuel economy than a VW. That's right. They pass the the fuel economy results over. (laughs) Then you know you're in trouble. Yes, they could just and apparently, apparently every, every model is a soft top with a very strange flat <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> That'd be great. Instead of a smooth top, it could just all be waving in the wind. <laughs> yeah, whenever okay. you you got to avoid going out in the wind because the top will flop in, a, in ridiculous directions. Hmm. It's the Oklahoma. It's got the little buggy with a fringe on top. <laughs> course if you were in the showroom and uh you uh, the person potentially buying the car says well actually the my neighbor has a be- better looking kia you'd promise to build a wall and get them to pay for it <laughs> build a garage <laughs> the other thing they might do is say it came from the same town that makes donald trump's suits you know that uh, if you were to make it a selling point you would have to be the biggest approach you would take would be to condemn the opposition Oh, yes. Yeah, to bag them out. Yeah. Lock them up. Lock them up. Or, or, you know, something like the screen in your Hyundai can record your conversation. Ah, getting tapped by the Obama car. Yes. Yes, and it needs some erratic tweeting from their marketing department. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, if you've never heard of this lot, they are the fifth biggest producer of vehicles in China. Are they really? GAC Motor, Guangzhou Mm. Automobile Group. What will they change it to if they change it? from Trump, Trump Chi, what would they change it to then? Well, in America, it's so divided. There's nothing sort of middle of the road, is there? There's nothing soft and, and acceptable to either side. The Hitler. You <laughs> did, did not see that coming. Did you see someone said the other day that Trump is not like Hitler? Hitler was far more controlled. He, uh, he reviewed his speeches and had a much better uh, marital arrangement. <laughs> Of course, if they sold there and they didn't sell well, you just claim that the figures are rigged. Well, you just claim that they are selling well, best-selling vehicle. I wonder what the service department would be like from a Trump, a Trump chi type of thing. If you complained, they'd call on the crowd to punch you in the face. <laughs> Your mechanic would abuse you. 
Yes, the, 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 the motto will be "Make American Cars Great Again" <laughs> by driving this Korean yes. car, a Chinese. Yes, car. yes, maybe they may, maybe they will look good in comparison. Not even Americans who could believe that that could be possible. Yes, <laughs> yes, true. Um, yes, well, well, I've got a, I've got a story about Volkswagen actually. Um, a U.S. federal judge in Detroit, uh, speaking of the U.S., has ruled that naughty little German company Volkswagen has been a very bad car maker and has to go sit in the naughty corner for three years probation while being watched carefully for any more mucking up by the by an independent oversight. Uh, this is a case of deliberate and massive fraud, said the judge, regarding VW's dodgy engines that had uh, many of their diesel engines cheating on their fuel efficiency exams. He also improved, approved a U.S. 28 Billion, that's billion with a B, fine, which uh, mummy is not going to like when VW gets home. How do you put a company on probation? I know. Do you prevent them selling in the market, maybe? It's kind of like double plus hidden probation that, you know, if you, uh, if you, don't, if you do it again, we'll, um, we'll tell you not to do it again. Who, who, who's you in that case? Uh, I mean, if the board approves a, a, a con job, oh, that's obvious, but what happens if someone over a counter or something does a slightly underhand thing does does that count can you put a whole family on probation what if, how would that work with car sales people gosh they'd be continually <laughs> on probation <wouldn't> they? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're going to have to be uh, honest in everything the whole company would have to be above board in everything mm. well then they don't well, make don't any money would that- they don't they say they are? Isn't that the whole point? Shouldn't your company be ethical and, and trustworthy? This is the problem. You build a brand and then you trash it by yes. something stupid like that. And how do you rebuild it? Mm. Well, see, the, the, in Trump's America, I don't think that matters, does it? That showed initiative, didn't it? Isn't that yeah. uh, the, the way to, to go about doing it? But, but I mean, uh, Volkswagen has just become the world's largest selling car company. Yeah, but I mean, it's now on their records. So you know, any future employer will see that they've uh, they've been on probation. So would having a a record like that affect their employment chances? Later? <laughs> well, the other thing is, who do you employ? Uh, yeah, and do you report to the the parole officer? <laughs> yes, yes. You can come and work for us, but you have to go and visit the parole officer every second right. week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Or do Audi and Bugatti and um, and Skoda just kind of pretend they've got nothing to do with them? That's right. Just, nothing you know, to do with us. They just, they'll just play, play on the other side of the schoolyard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Blank them as they go past. They no longer lift a finger or flash the lights. All right, gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for your time. Don't forget uh, for everyone to look on the website, drivenmedia.com.au, for the videos where we discuss some issues to do with transport planning and uh, generally including one that we've just discussed today. uh, Brian and Errol, thanks again for your time. All right, David. Bye, David. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Alan Zervis, Richard Falazzo, Brian Smith, David Campbell and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to longer segments of the features by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. 
I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>